Hi guys, I'm Daniel Hanbali and this is something to consider. Grit and grace. This topic came at the request of a listener and it really got me thinking. Usually when you think about the term and how it's used, it refers to qualities associated to strength, resilience and character. However, I've only ever heard the phrase being used in the context of describing a woman or an ideal woman. Grit and grace, the ability to maintain passion and persevere in the face of challenges or setbacks, but to do so in a state of elegance, poise, and dignity. Grit and grace, a commitment to having a strong resolve to be resilient, to bounce back, but to do so in a manner that is composed, humble, kind, and compassionate. The phrase implies that one should have the ability to balance between being strong and gentle, determined yet kind, tenacious yet respectful. I was actually interviewed for a show called Grit a few years ago. It was the year right before COVID and I was asked how I would define grit. I said something along the lines of grit being about perseverance to continue moving forward no matter what, to climb up a mountain, make your way through the trenches and the mud, to get through as you do, you do it by defining your own rules. If any of you have watched Rocky V, I believe the definition was inspired by a scene where Rocky Balboa is giving a speech to his son. Now I'm not great with impressions, but the scene goes something like this. Let me tell you something you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me, or nobody is going to hit as hard as life. But it ain't about how hard you're hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Fantastic scene, and I know I didn't do it justice, but go with me on this. When I gave my definition of grit, when it came to my own life and what I felt it meant for me, it was about my own experience, the way I had learned about it. In that interview, I also continued to reflect on things that I might have actually regretted. Like, I was quiet when I shouldn't have been. I let things slide that should have been addressed. And I fell into the trap of wanting to be accepted so much that in some cases, it came at the cost of my values and beliefs all in the name of being kind, empathetic, agreeable, or graceful. Now, I too am someone who has been doing her reading when it comes to the relationship with the masculine and feminine sides of ourselves as humans. I do believe that both qualities exist and can be possessed by both genders at varying degrees. And the feminine qualities of warmth, compassion, and nurturing present a beautiful balance to the masculine qualities of being independent, confident, logical, and assertive. I just find it frustrating that the terms are imposed on women as what they should aspire to be in an attempt to become more socially accepted in a very harsh world, especially when it comes to business. Men are revered for their firmness and celebrated for their ability to persevere at all costs in a matter that doesn't always include being kind or compassionate. And we accept that because those are masculine qualities associated to success. But for a woman to make it in the business world, she needs to have that same spunk, but coated with the delicate warmth of a smile, a good mood, and a soft-spoken nature. 
Look, I don't want to reduce what I believe to be a very beautiful combination of characteristics that carry their own strengths into something argumentative, where women are always the victim of a world run by men and the patriarchy. Both qualities do need to exist, and I love being a woman for that reason. I love my feminine side, and I do believe that a balance of both throughout life is very important. But I'm asking you to consider this. Why is it that for a man to succeed, we accept that he only needs to be himself and sit in his masculine traits, but for a woman to succeed and be respected in the business world, she needs to possess both, especially when it is because she needs to compensate for one by being more feminine. Some of you are raising daughters in a new world where the dynamics of having the support from family or a potential partner isn't necessarily something that she will always be able to rely on. Is being strong yet agreeable really what you want her to use to adapt to that world? You know, most of the strong women I know, the independent ones, who have really had to fight to make it in their respective industries or in pursuit of various career paths, the ones that aren't always soft-spoken, aren't always nurturing, didn't necessarily choose that. Most strong women that I know became that way because they had to be. They became that way because in order to survive and thrive, they needed to compete at a level which didn't always leave room for grace. I make it a point to mention this because it is those women that I was surrounded by when I started my career. They weren't nice, or at least not always. They weren't soft-spoken. They weren't compassionate to my struggles as a woman starting her career and trying to learn the ropes. It was literally, you're on your own, Habibti. It's survival of the fittest from here on out. And in many cases, it was because no one was that for them. They had to make it the hard way, on their own, and for many reasons, it hardened them. I'm speaking from my own experience here, as I feel like sometimes we all forget that the world that exists today in terms of, you know, the shift to globally supporting women when it comes to their role in leadership positions and groups and clubs and initiatives, those things didn't even exist when I first started. And I'm not even talking about generations. I'm talking 10, 15, even 20 years ago. Very, very recent. Comments like, I wonder what she must have done to get that promotion, were actual things that were said about women in high-ranking positions in places that I had worked for. It was insane. It's insane to even repeat now the fact that I actually heard those things. That is what she had to work against. So it wasn't easy to find a group of women who were independent, self-sufficient, strong, held powerful positions, and were willing to sit down with a group of younger women at the end of the day, hold hands, drink some tea, and share their feelings and struggles. If you ever dared to cry at work or get emotional about anything, made motherhood obvious, wore the wrong clothing, were confident, loud, assertive, opinionated, you would immediately have two added to your personality. You were too loud, too confident, too assertive, too this, too that. You would immediately get labeled as difficult or worse, ugh, she's just a woman. The women I was surrounded by, they weren't approachable or kind. Frankly, it wasn't easy to be around them and I wasn't encouraged to do so. They did not represent who I wanted to become at all. But reflecting back on why, I am so much more empathetic to them today than I was then. Honestly, I get it. Because I understand they were like that because they had to be. 
I don't excuse some of the behavior that I once saw, but I am more understanding towards their circumstances. In a world where they weren't just building a career, but they were fighting odds that were designed to consistently be working against them. So my strategy when I started out was to learn from the only source I had access to at the time, men. And to be honest, I learned some of the best lessons that paved the way for the career I have now from men. And I'm very grateful for that. Men in leadership positions who were very generous in being open with me and giving me access to opportunities to learn. Granted, they were the only ones that held the key for those opportunities at the time. I'm still very indebted to them. But I do have to mention that what helped was my demeanor. I did things with grace. I was always polite, fairly agreeable. Granted, I was still learning a lot. I was never disrespectful or rude or questioned things at the beginning. I functioned from a place of being open to anything because the objective was always to learn. That being said, when I did get to a stage where I was starting to get confident, opinionated, assertive, and started to use my voice, my label did change. Dana is what we would call a lot. One of my bosses said at the announcement of my promotion to the rest of the company, she's so passionate and willing to do so much, but if you worked with her, you will quickly realize that her energy and strengths are a lot. The next label became the Ice Queen. You feel nothing, Dana. All you do is work. It's just a project. It's just a meeting. It's just this. It's just that. Why are you switched on all the time? Relax. Take it easy. You really can't win as a woman. There will always be someone, male or female, telling you, you aren't it. You aren't enough. And elaborating on what you should be. And it's exhausting. If you're single, you should be in pursuit of independence and be empowered to do so. If you're a mom, your kids should become the focus of your life. You can't have it all. If you're over 35 and single, you're in your prime and you should freeze your eggs. If you're over 40, you need to start preserving your age with Botox. It's not even 40 anymore. The audacity of ads these days have pictures of women in their 20s getting work done. You should be an example to younger women. You need to be a feminist. You should be saying this. You should be saying that. You should be setting an example. Everyone has an opinion on what a woman should be doing all the time. And I mean it, it is all the time. Wherever you look, whether it's social media, books, work, whatever it may be, anyone at any age will have an opinion over what it takes to be a woman and what a woman should focus on. And honestly, it needs to stop. It needs to stop. Aside from your opinion as an individual being irrelevant to the woman that you are speaking to, unless she explicitly asks for it, people need to stop telling women what they should be doing, period. Man or woman, stop. It has become a narrative that isn't evolving for the better. And I encourage you to catch yourself the next time you speak to a woman. Notice it in the next gathering. And women... Notice how many times you get unwarranted or unasked for feedback, opinions, or advice on anything before even asking for it. It's actually a very enlightening exercise in human behavior. Anyways, I do have a point that I want to make here, and it is that my definition of grit and grace has changed. And the funny part is, is that it goes back to Rocky Balboa's speech from that same movie. The answer exists in the continuation, and it goes... 
Now, if you know what you're worth, then go out and get what you're worth. But you got to be willing to take the hits, not pointing fingers, saying you ain't where you want to be because of him or her or anybody. Cowards do that and that ain't you. You're better than that. You see, the definition of grit and grace has been framed around how you respond to the world, to something outside of you. You are faced with a setback, you move forward. There's an obstacle, you maneuver around it. That is my issue with it. My definition of grit has become that the world does not owe me anything. I have accepted that it has not been designed to be easy. Obstacles don't just appear. Life in itself is a series of obstacles. When things get tough, it is on me to get through it because my motivation comes from knowing my worth and asking for it and fighting for it. And it is in that commitment and pursuit of that worth where I will be respected by others. Whether I'm smiling at them or not, whether I'm agreeable or not, they will respect me for it. I'm not persevering to jump through hoops, setbacks and obstacles set by someone else. Grit is an unshakable belief in my own values and self-worth. Grit is having the audacity to believe that I deserve it all and having the grace to pursue it for myself. My grace is no longer how I respond to others. It is not in the warmth of my smile or in the tone of my voice or even the elegance of my presence. My grace is my reminder to be kind, forgiving, and honor myself and my own pursuit of grit, a pursuit of my values that is non-negotiable. Grace is my ability to treat myself as well as I treat others. And the time has come for me to acknowledge that this is the kind of message I want to put out there because it is what I aspire to be at this stage of my life. We spend the majority of our lives working towards what we owe to our fellow man, which is beautiful in principle, but how much of that has actually proven to be a success in where we are today? Have we successfully been able to live up to the values of loving thy neighbor, treating others with respect and being kind and agreeable at all costs? If your answer is yes, please do send me a message as I would love to discuss this further with you. But for those of you that said no, could it possibly be because in a world where the priority is on how we accommodate others, we've actually lost sight in prioritizing our own values, our own beliefs, giving ourselves grace. I'm a strong believer in living as a collective as part of a community where each individual contributes to it, but not at the expense of compromising my own values. So here are the lessons that I've learned about grit and grace that I actually wrote to myself in a journal entry. And I'm candidly sharing them with you, and I'd be interested to know if you agree or not. Maybe what would you add to them? So let me know once you're done with the episode. One, your values and your priorities are not the same thing. A priority is giving something more importance or precedence. It is something external that can potentially change depending on urgency. Your values, for example, can be your priority. But the definition of a value is that it is a fundamental belief that guides the way that you live and work. Your values are what inevitably guide your actions, choices, and in turn your behavior. It is something very difficult to change because it is ingrained in what makes you you. 
I used to think that my values change as I grow and evolve, but in reality, they've been tested in so many different ways, and I somehow find myself coming back to them at different stages in my life when I've lost sight of them. Two, the smartest person, the best idea, the most talented player doesn't get you a free pass to success. Angela Duckworth, the author of the book Grit, The Power of Passion and Perseverance, argues that it is not just innate talent or IQ that determines success, but rather the ability to sustain effort and maintain focus on long-term goals. And I really like that thinking because what it does is it levels the playing field when it comes to success. Everyone willing to put in the work has an opportunity to be in the limelight given the opportunity. I should probably underline this part, given the equal opportunity. Designing systems that ostracize groups of people robs them of that opportunity. That will never help a society grow and thrive, especially in today's world. Inclusivity is key. Three, understand that to persevere means to do more than stay on track and move forward. It actually requires you to learn what is not working and adapt to new strategies of how to actually get what you want. Change is inevitable. What worked yesterday may not be tolerated today. But instead of trying to justify or defend how things were done at some point, understand that society, culture, people all evolve and it's part of their nature. History teaches us this. So it's easier to just accept it instead of fight it. Work with the times instead of against them. Judging by the speed of how things have been evolving lately, even that new approach may not last long. But adaptability is necessary for survival. Check in on the action plan in your head and make sure that it's aligned to your goals. Four, know that power comes with responsibility. This is a big one for me. Because while I understand that may be the case, not everyone is prepared to live up to that responsibility. With my own journey and commitment to my own values and trying to give grace to myself comes the responsibility of how that will translate to the world. To others, I am part of a collective and I will not ignore that. How will staying true to myself benefit the rest of the world? How can I contribute? I don't have an answer on this yet, but I have ideas that I'm working towards and I am still trying to figure it out too. Five, Harness the power of your voice. Yes, your voice, internal and external. This is similar to what I was saying about responsibility, but it caters to a more relevant crowd, yourself. I think sometimes, especially when we're hurt, we tend to find empowerment in talking about how we succeeded in spite of others. I do that too. In fact, it comes up in my reflections in my own journal entries and definitely pumps me up with some sort of a boost of adrenaline, the adrenaline that I need to tackle the rest of the day or a specific task. But harnessing the power of your voice isn't just for the external world. It is also very much for you internally. That inner voice that dictates, motivates, decides, judges, likes, loves, and believes in you. The impact of your voice carries just as much, if not more, weight internally than it does externally. It is a relationship that consistently requires care and attention. 
I find myself in constant conversation with myself, trying to figure out why, when, and how I feel about certain things. And the more I question, the more I train myself to listen to what my body, mind, and soul are trying to tell me, and how that translates into what I want to say. It is an ongoing journey, but it's one that I am enjoying. I want to end this episode on a higher energy with a script that I love that comes from a Michael Jordan ad from the early 2000s. Imagine it being delivered by Michael Jordan himself. He's in a basketball court and he's speaking to younger players that are about to start training. It ends with the line, become legendary. I love this script because it speaks to the last point about harnessing your voice. Yes, the audience in this case is external, but it articulates so well what it takes to be someone who is committed to their values, to have grit and to have grace. Here's how it goes. Maybe it's my own fault. Maybe I led you to believe it was easy when it wasn't. Maybe I made you think my highlights started at the free throw line and not in the gym. Maybe I made you think that every shot I took was a game winner, that my game was built on flash and not fire. Maybe it's my fault that you didn't see that my failure gave me strength, that my pain was my motivation. Maybe I led you to believe that basketball was a God-given gift and not something I worked for every single day of my life. Maybe I destroyed the game, or maybe you're just making excuses. If you made it to the end of the episode, I want to thank you for the privilege of your time. Please don't forget to subscribe or follow the channel if you haven't already done so. And of course, like or share the episode if you enjoyed it. Also, please do let me know what your thoughts are on the topic in the comment section below. I'm really interested in hearing your feedback, as always. In the meantime, I hope you found something to consider.